Hi everyone, and welcome to our first podcast. So we haven't picked the name yet. We just wanted to kind of, you know, put it out there that we're doing this. So I'm Kiev. I am a priest of Elegua for 11 years. And David is my co-host. David, introduce yourself. Hi, I am David. I am initiated to Ochun, the Lukumi tradition. And I'm also 11 years. So, one of the, for those of you that don't know us, which is hopefully going to be a lot of you that listen to this, Lukumi is the name that we commonly use now for the religion known as Santeria, which is a religion that if you listen to this podcast long enough, you're going to pick up the details on, came over uh, with the Africans that were enslaved, and basically it was their spirituality and their faith that was carried through and reincarnated in a form that eventually took root in the new world all the way from North America down to Brazil and reflected the various tribes and peoples of Africa where they landed. So Lukumi is based heavily, uh, 99% for the most part, on the Yoruba people of what is today Nigeria. So later on we'll get into the history and all that, but today we're going to open this conversation talking about what is Lukumi uh, today and what does it provide, what can it provide for people seeking spirituality out in the world today. So David is much more in contact with the community. He is much more knowledgeable of people's needs and understandings of people. So I'm the guy in the library. So this is going to be heavily oriented to David and me questioning him to kind of see what his general opinion is so we can use that as a launching base so david where is lukumi like what's lukumi to you it's a nature-based tradition and um realm of spirituality that allows one to connect to nature to collect to connect to ancestors to connect to one's higher self um and one of the major points of it, I feel in my experience, has been to understand the connectivity between all living things and even the dead. Okay, so that's definitely something that sounds a lot more spiritual mm-hmm. and intricate than, let's say, Christianity yes. or some other monotheistic religions. Now, Lukumi is a polytheistic religion. There is one supreme creator that we generally refer to as Olodumare. And then there are various incarnations of that energy that manifests um, as personified aspects of energy of nature. Mm-hmm. So, Lukumi, like, do you have a priest? Do you have a congregation these days? Like, is, are you only allowed to worship if you're initiated? Like, what's the deal with that? Like, how do I come like i know but how do we tell the public how do i go to a lukumi service like what do we do it is my understanding and my belief that it is what is now being primarily coined as a closed tradition it doesn't mean it's closed to everybody or there's a criteria outside of um initiation that's not based on color creed sexual orientation or anything like that but it is an initiatory system. It is a system where people do get initiated and are, in essence, priests and or leaders and intermediaries to some degree, um, or liaisons, better to say, um, between 
the general public and the Orisha. Now, that being said, I don't believe that someone who is not initiated cannot work with Orisha. I, on the other hand, feel that it's best to be guided and have access to a priest who can inform you how to best connect with these energies versus being willy-nilly and just doing it off the, off the, the base of, of your head, your, your general feelings. Um, I think <coughs> that what I've commonly come in contact with and what is very public now via TikTok, via IG, Facebook, and every other avenue of social media is that people feel an affinity and or call towards these specific deities and or this tr- the deities, not the tradition, and the two are tied. Right. And so you can't bypass one with the other. There's an intermingling, an intersection by which they both meet. And um, so wait, can, yeah. we, can we just hold up for one second? Okay. Now, without, now, let's use this as an example without insulting anyone, but it is a social example. Right now, mm-hmm. there's a heavy connotation between the Orisha Oshun, mm-hmm. who is normally portrayed as a goddess of money and sex and sweetness in the form of a woman's eroticism mm-hmm. and not really understood to be the power that she truly is mm-hmm. as knowledge embodied as the as the act of human existence as what we go through right but she's heavily associated with let's say beyonce i can't but that is the association that you know a lot of our society especially people of afro-latin heritage that of african-american yeah. and latino heritage and afro-latin heritage have been exposed to, and now it's okay because somebody famous is talking about these or these things or using these references. So, I mean, you have to look at that as a good thing. At least it's a gateway, right? Uh, like, I mean, it's better than someone going to a church where they don't feel any response, where they don't feel at home, where they're traumatized because of who they are. I think the danger there, though, is that it becomes a fad and it becomes a, a, a popularized fad. And so you're you're interested in something based on just visualization of this person who may or may not be personifying an aspect of, of feminine divinity and whether it's Oshun whether it's Oshun or not. I mean nothing in that in that as a priest who has Oshun made, watching videos like Lemonade and seeing Beyonce traipse through the street, you know, possibly laughing and destroying property, she was giving me much more of an Oya vibe than an Oshun vibe. But you're just putting her in yellow and, and we can't escape, we can't escape, which may be a whole other topic of conversation, the, the major um, issues with colorism and, and, and the exotic, like making things exotic, uh, calling mulatas and saying that at one point in Cuba, in the tradition, that they were very, very wanted and desirable because of that mixed race and, and the, the, the look that was very different from either white and or black. So... It became this desired uh, desirability politics, so to speak, and that's the pre- reason people can take Beyonce and look at her and call her a shoon. Because I tell you right now, if that was Gabby Sibide, Miss Precious herself, running through the streets in yellow. People would have had jokes. They would have not saw a shoon in her. It was because Beyonce is Beyonce, looks a certain kind of way, and 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 so there's a lot of things there that people don't consider in this grand s- scheme of things, in the grand scale of like. Orisha, Orisha tradition, where it came from and how it's been in the Americas specifically. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I honestly feel like it made a bunch of people start delving into Google and Wikipedia, which 
information is not always correct. And they became the Insta witches. The TikTok witches. The people, oh, TikTok I... TikTok kiddos. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, I'm working with Oshun today with my citrine yellow crystal and my bottle of honey that I'm pouring on the crystal. Okay. And, and whatever, right? But it's that. And it's like, you know, never once... Did they look and say, okay, this is part of Nigerian culture. This this is something that belonged to a people. And these people transported to another place and made it something else and made it survive. And all that it entails in just saying something as simple as, I'm working with Oshun. There's more to it than that. Right, okay. I completely understand that. And I'm gonna, My tirade. <laughs> for future podcasts, I'm going to keep candy to throw at you when you get into the dark place because it scares me a little bit. But obviously, because you are so much more involved in society than I am, like, if this obviously, and I've heard this expression from other people, this really, you, for a lot of people, you look at it like a bad thing, right? Like, now everybody is like, oh, what's doing this, what's doing that, or whatever, and they don't look at the history, they don't look at the suffering. Even 10, 15 years ago, people were going through shit for being in this religion, right? There are people in this day and age in New York City who are doing the year in white mm-hmm. and get harassed, things thrown at them, insulted, still to this day. So, my thing is, instead of looking at it like, okay, yeah, people, normally people are not going to look into the depths of things. They're not going to really research it. But at least it's out there now, right? So, us, that especially people our age, where we're like this, we were born at the beginning of the millennial generation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, from the 80 to 83, 84. Not only that, we ended up making Ocha, both of us, in our mid to late 20s mm-hmm. which is a lot younger than most people our age were able to manage mm-hmm. so we are this very specific bridge between the old cranky santeros right uh which is the term we use for them and um and the newer ones and we as in me and him not we as in everybody right <laughs> well he and i but also because we both have kind of unique positions and experiences and abilities that allow us to you know kind of we can do what we need to do to address issues and nobody's really going to be able to check us because we're not doing anything wrong. Right. So, at the worst, they can always ask to come on the podcast and they'd be more than welcome. But really, let's talk, you know, let's look at it like, isn't it a good thing that everybody's talking about Oshun? Isn't that what we as priests here, like, isn't that what Lukumi would be today? Us as priests teaching the masses, hey, this is not, like you said, honey and citrine. This is acknowledging x amount of centuries of blood spilled of people rebelling not just in this country but also in brazil in haiti in jamaica in guyana like in all these places where you had all kinds of slaves Mm -hmm. that revolted and eventually were able to overturn their situation and Mm -hmm. still retain part of their traditions and spirituality Mm -hmm. so isn't that our job as priests now especially as priest of Oshun, for you as a priest of the goddess of not money and Oshun is not the Orisha of fortune in the sense of she's earthly rich all the time she mm-hmm. has knowledge she has wisdom right. and with that one can acquire anything right, right? so isn't that what you are supposed to I, I, yeah, I, I he's making but, dark place faces people he's making dark place faces <laughs> no it's just mm-hmm. that you, you in, in that essence the messenger is everything and and this is why responsibility is is important and the platform always has to be given to the people who who can like Beyonce didn't come out and say you know she mentioned Oshun she mentioned Jemaya her song and then that's it there's no responsibility in regards to hey I 
I got a ceremony when I was in Cuba and I'm, I'm deeply learning about this right now and I have a teacher and that would have changed the game and everything because people would have known, oh, you have to have a teacher or... But yes. why? Why what? Why does she have to do that? Because... Be careful how you answer this because I got something ready for that. I feel that it, it's... I, I, let me give you an example before I, I, I give you that. Vogue. Okay? Vogue what? The, the art of voguing. The, uh-huh. the dance of Vogue, Okay. Everyone's big deal was, oh my God, Madonna mm-hmm. is putting Vogue on, and it's she's putting it on to the whole world, and now right. everybody Vogue is a big thing, right? Until it becomes super trendy, super fad, by not the gay and trans black and brown people who were who developed it right. and what they why they developed it because they had to create spaces for themselves to be safe in and be featured in and all that all the history that goes behind it so that somebody can wave their hands wildly and, and join the new fad of what Vogue is. And so when you skip out on the history it's like turn it over to actual people of the houses to speak this thing. That's why it's a responsibility to not just come out and, and even Madonna was very lax in that as well. She took a lot of the credit for Vogue. Meanwhile, she's like, these ball houses, these are the ones who, who are doing the work, who's well, been doing I think this. the situation between Madonna then and Beyonce now is a bit different because we have, like, the internet, right? But that's, the, that's still that. Do you and get I what I'm saying? I understand like, what you're saying, but at the same time, if you're looking to be publicly accepted, if you're having to literally carve out spaces... Oh it's not someone outside of us. But if you're looking, if you're carving out spaces for you to be publicly accepted, in this society, in this day and age, what's happening with that is exactly what, what you want to... What what's going to happen? Everybody's going to talk about a tune. You're not going to expect everybody to immediately begin to research and become dedicated and be like, oh my God. Right, so now is the time to really start putting the accurate information out there because the people who are meant to find it, the people who want to find it, will. And at the end of the day, isn't it better to have someone praying to a tune, even if it's with a yellow candle and a bottle of honey, who's never really spoken to a priest or a priestess, than it is to have them praying to a god that's never done anything for their people that enslave and torture them? I mean, that could be... I understand that can be double-sided. Those are more mystical and if you're more comfort conversations. Yeah. But really, if you're going to call on a god of need and you have any sort of African ancestry that's, you know, any kind of melanated, calling on a tune, I'm sure, is going to do you way better than calling on Yahweh. I, I, agree, I agree with that, that sentiment. <clears throat> um, like I said, it's, to me, it's more about a preference of, of how information is presented. Um... So wait, but what, the original what? question, what does Luku mean today? So like, okay, this is what people are doing, but what should it be? Like, what what should priests, this, this is really what this podcast is geared mm-hmm. towards, people who are priests and going to be priests. Right. What do we do? How do we help these people? How do we put the information out there? I mean... They're not on YouTube. I mean, I'm not that good of a YouTube searcher, but I haven't really seen anybody really putting out accurate information. No, I've seen nothing but hogwashery. Right. Not hog washer here. Oh. I would wash a hog. And then <laughs> no, I'd kill it and eat it. But. No, I I've seen full on people again because and this is this is it. I mean it's not to be the dark place, it just it's it is a sore point with me. Um that you know, you see people on there, they have sixty five thousand followers, they're telling you stories and things that they read from somewhere else or maybe heard via whomever, and they're wrong. They're d- inaccurate. And they they have sixty five thousand followers who ashe amen you you're so wonderful to hear this and it's like but it's wrong, 
you're hearing it from the wrong sources. So in this age of information and, and availability and accessibility, you have all this access to the wrong information. So, so why do we what, not have access to the right information? Well, a large part of that has to do with the culture of how this came about to be distributed. It, because it was through captured people who were considered slaves and they had to work a lot of times in secret or within confines of social structures that were against them, they, it became uh, important to keep things secret. Only so much visibility... Only so much to be shared. Right, like a lot of the shit we do and right. right, and that's what it is. And that permeates a culture of keeping things very secret. So a large part of us keeping things secret have helped us and has hindered us. Obviously, definitely. We'll get to that later on, yeah. And so that's what it is. Like, I, for what we can do, yeah, we can go on right now with this podcast or go on to YouTube or go on to TikTok and put all this wonderful information out there. And people may get it or not. Nine times out of ten, you have 18 people doing, saying the wrong thing and the five people doing, you know what I mean? So it, it's disheartening. It's like, you know, what do we do to get, I don't know if I had that answer, but live my life and do right. Right. I mean, but you can't say disheartening. That's, you know, we don't, I don't take that in my presence. It's, that's no, that's for sheep. You're not a sheep. <laughs> You're definitely outclass a sheep in weight size. Mm-mm. But... But if those five people are putting the information out there, then that's what we should be doing, right? So there has to be somewhere, we have to be seeing a reaction of people picking up accurate information or people actually coming towards the community. Like my first question was really like, okay, well, I don't really want to speak to anyone. I want to go see a service. Like what is the other public services? Now, historically, we don't really do, again, because of the secrecy, the public, the most public ceremonies we have are drummings. Mm-hmm. And they're usually big parties when we're celebrating someone's initiation. Correct. Or some sort of anniversary or event. Right? So, and these are not public. Are there, are there any public temples in New York now? Not in public. In Miami, no. Philadelphia, Los Angeles? Not public, no. So there is no, not in the United States of America, not a single temple somebody could walk in and be like, I just want to light a candle to Elegua. No. That's it, horrible. Tra- it's traditionally, traditionally, outside of Cuba, yes, there would be a compound, a place of worship, a, a temple. Right, but we have we can only count from Cuba to here. Right, so for, in, in Cuba, no, because the because you had to do it in secret because there was movement of a bunch of people either right, being right. sold off or moved off, whatever the case well, may be. Okay, but let's specific time question. Let's take for example, Feminita Gomez. She uh-huh. received her olokun of her godmother, uh-huh. but yet that olokun was the capital. Even that Olokun, I believe, still stands today, no? I believe so. So, like, okay, so the, uh, nobody, people don't have options to community shrines. There's nowhere you can go and just chill and be like, oh, this is what this is. And talk In to New York. In New York. All right, don't go to the dark place. In no. New York. <laughs> In New York, there are egg bears. And the Egbers are groups of priests of the same Orisha, okay? Under the same mantle of the same Orisha who all have that same Orisha initiated. So and they have made and consecrated some uh-huh. of them. Some of them. So wait, just to, just to confirm the definition, Egbe is a circle of priests initiated into the same Orisha. So let's say all of Yemaya's priests and priestesses, all of Oshun's, etc., etc. Correct. Right? Okay, cool. Correct. Family of. Right. right? So... There, there are some Egbes who have birthed Orishas for the public. So if there was ever something that needed to be done in the name of Oshun, the name of Obatala, 
they would contact the egg bay and whatever and they should be able to utilize that however sounds fantastic never seen it done not too many people know about the egg bay even though they've been around since the 80s and a lot of infighting unfortunately and egos and whatever the case may be within the, the structure of who should be in that group who should not whatever you don't see it it would be great if we had centralized place like a temple or if, if there was a place to house these orishas for the public for the public to actually have access to outside of a drumming would be amazing i don't know if that's going to happen or when that will happen I mean, but it's not a question of when, uh, not a question of if, if it's something that has to happen, it's something that has to happen. I mean, like part of us doing this podcast mm-hmm. is really addressing, addressing those issues that priest our specific age range, both in ultra initiation and physical age Correct. and specific backgrounds, you know, um, particularly like I've had a horrible background with elders. You have your own background with your elders, not a horrible one. Mm. And we know so many stories and we've been through so many things with people helping them out that this is really the time to say, okay, this is something we need. And it's true. If we have people like Beyonce out there talking about Ochun and, you know, other famous people are involved in Odisha worship and people are always talking about it, there should be at least one place that without judgment, without any conviction of, oh, I'm going to say you should work with me. Like, that's something we should get together as a community, right? Like, on a 1 to 10, how do we rate the Lukumi community? Personally, I give this a 2. And that's only because I'm a very hopeful person, believe it or not. I, yeah. And David's going to balance that out with probably, like, a negative 2. <laughs> so we'll end up <laughs> at a great average of 0. Median score of 0 for no, the Lukumi community. No, I mean, because the, the, the dynamic that's important to understand is that from Cuba to here is that people who got initiated their home became their shrine. Now what happens is is that initiation started to become the belief that each person initiated was a priest. So we started losing the idea of, you know, devotees versus the ordained. And that's that's the hardest part because now what you have is an influx of people who consider themselves and by some degree are considered priests. Just because they had ceremonies Just because they had a ceremony of initiation done and they've done the ritual coming of rites, so to speak, right? You can get a license to be a hunter. It doesn't make you a hunter. Pretty much. And and, and what type of hunter does it make you? Depending on how you utilize your skills and whatever the case may be. So there are people who dedicate their life to learning, to being very active spiritually with their reach, and they are priests. They are are administering... Their gifts, tools, and everything of their Isha to the general community who come seeking the help for divination, for cleaning, for whatever the case may be, right? Then you have ones that they did it for health reasons. They have zero interest in helping anybody but keeping themselves alive. Right. And they're going to stay there happy behind at home. Good. Whatever, right? And then so this idea that permeates that it's almost Christian in aspect, evangelistic, is that, oh, everyone needs to do this great thing and have it done. And that's an issue for me. I don't believe that... Well, it's definitely, I agree that it's an issue, but I think that maybe it's because of the way this specific branch uh, formed, we have steps that are missing. There's either you're not initiated or you're initiated. There's no really in between, right? So, Aborisha, or Aleios outsiders, or Aborisha mm-hmm. half seated people, 
are those that have received some ceremonies. You have received a Shu slash Alegua, the Orisha of Destiny and Fate, or the Alekes, the beads. You receive something, but you're not a priest. Mm-hmm. Then the only ceremony there is to become a priest is the only ceremony there is to become a priest. You're a priest now. But there's no in between. Has there ever been an in between? There has been in betweens. When was this? <laughs> Uh, within the tradition, we know of what's considered called Santo Lavao, or so people. Which means pe- Santo Wash. Wash. So washed. people call you may because this this was formerly known and or in some circles still known as Santeria, and using saints as a face to the Orisha, um, people will call the Orisha sometimes Santo, especially if it's from a Latino community um, who preserved some of the tradition. Um, that being said. That wash saint is basically there. There were times and instances where people could not get the money, the resources, whatever the case may be, to get fully initiated. And what was done was they were given, they were able to receive ceremonially the orisha that they needed to have and keep that shrine in their home to and for themselves. It was a way for them to connect with that energy, to have that energy in their home and in their life. And to tend to it and form a bond with it, a relationship, a working relationship, just for them. Not for the general community, because it was very clear that they were not priests. Now, that usually was only done for health reasons. In my opinion, it should not be just done for health reasons. What other reasons should it be done for? It should be done for, if Arisha's really calling you... And and the one you want to get to know this Arisha and this Arisha wants to get to know you. I believe you should be able to receive Santo Lavao, and you should be able to have a, a shrine kept in your home for your betterness, for your for your betterments, for your upliftment in whatever area that that Arisha is is, is for you. I don't believe everyone needs to be a priest, and right, I think I the, the devotees w- we should. If that's the step that needs to happen, right? That's why we have divination. We have stuff that's guiding that process. If that's what you need to have, and that's where it's calling you to, because I believe people can stop and just have Eliwa. Right. People just have the, the beats, and that's it for the and rest be, of their life. Be happy their entire life. And be happy right. their entire life, and never need to get anything done. And because we're priests, and, and due to proximity of being in the community, should they need things done with Orisha, they can come and utilize that priest Orisha. Right, without having to be dedicated. Without having to, to be my godchild or right. my mentor, T, whatever you want to call it. I, okay, great. But my my one question right now is, I okay. We all those of us who've experienced the Santeria and Locomia and been around have heard the term "half seated" medio asentado after you receive a local. Mm-hmm. Now I always thought about that weirdly. That would make more sense applied to someone like you said, Santo Lavado, mm-hmm. which again, just to clarify, means if your head has been marked Obatala, then you would receive Obatala and Elagua. Um, not fully as a priest that was being initiated. You would receive it in a way that you could manifest and work that energy in your home and in your life as long as you were taught how to explain, etc., etc. So, like, is this not done anywhere? Like, is it just something that was just, we randomly stopped doing? Like, is this part, like, you know, recently I've been reading a lot of books by um, certain elders um, that have historically been associated with the religion. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that I really, really believe that we're experiencing a cycle that will dictate the next 100 to 150 years of the religion in the sense of, you know, according to Cuban lore, the three great mothers of our religion, Efunche, Latuan, and Obatero, 
had several disagreements amongst them. And I like to refer to that as the oyification or, you know, the, 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 it's basically what shaped the mode of Lukumi, what is today. Correct. It's our ceremonies became kind of cemented for the most part. We tend to practice everybody does 85% of the things the same, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et but is it now maybe time to allow this tradition to keep evolving by reestablishing old traditions? in order to accept the new people, like in order to open our arms to the community at large, right? Like, how do we do that? Like, how do we break away from the ego and the secrecy and the basements full of chicken blood and cockroaches in the Bronx and Brooklyn? <laughs> and how do we move into having a public temple that people don't have to, you know, be weird about? And, and there's always a priest on call. I mean, there are literally at least tens of thousands of initiated priests in the New York City area yep. in the five boroughs. Yep. One could volunteer one day a year and you always have a priest at the shrine. Anyone who shows up, all you need to do is throw pieces of coconut as a priest and you can help anybody who walks in off the street. If every Santero in New York City put $5 in, $5. $5. They would have a building or a property dedicated to the community where they can have these set of reaches done and have but a practice. There are at least there are at least one hundred thousand initiated priests in New York City, I would put. At the very least. At the, I mean if you at the go, least. if you go to any gay club, half of them are already initiated. I'm just saying. But it's our podcast, we get to talk all the shit we want. Well I do. So <laughs> um and the other half are probably like running drugs. But so That's right. So. so why do we not have a tempo? Why? Five dollars. Half, half of the people who won't give five dollars have given shit ton of money to the Christian church. Poverty mindset. It becomes, I have money, but I have money for this, not for that. I, it's because always But this that. could be a public thing. We could literally make a fundraiser and then somebody could be in charge of it, right? But nobody's going to want to be in charge of it. Is that no one's going to be in charge of it and everyone's going to talk mess to who's in charge of it because they're not in charge of it. But they also don't want to be in charge of it. Right. So it's, gonna, it's, it's, it's the community structure. It's the crabs in a barrel mentality. That that that's unfortunately very present still. It is the it, the poverty mindset that I can't have more. We can't have this, and because I haven't seen it in my lifetime, it's not possible. And and because someone else didn't do it that I know or that I heard of, or whatever, then it can't be done. And that's that's the unfortunate, not dark place, but um, that's the unfortunate thing I, I that we come against when when you know people like you and i who are like well that doesn't make sense and it's not helping anybody including us it's not helping the general public which we're supposed to be priests which means we're supposed to be of service to the right. community but also it's not helping us because now it's becoming our main and primary problem in our homes in our lives when it shouldn't have to be that centered and and centralized we could have something that's more open and have us administering to people on a larger scale but also a more public scale and out of the yeah i i I have been through a bunch of meetings with a bunch of different santeros of various backgrounds of various degrees and and all that, and they have talked over and over again. I'm talking about several years, and nothing has been done. So I don't know. I I, I don't know when and if. I don't know. I, I would love to be part of it, a part of a movement of such. I, I I don't know where to start with it. I don't think anyone else does either. Well, you know, my favorite phone like what? My favorite phone like what? My favorite phone phone. But somebody's got to get it started. 
and sometimes you just have to shake the boat the right way because I mean obviously I started by questioning you with what is Lukumi today but there's no way we can answer that question if you really sat here for 80 hours we can't so I think this is you know what is Lukumi today is really going to be what this whole series of podcasts is going to be about one thing that I was studying with someone who's a hermetic mage in the OTO, the Ordo Templo Orientis, and you know, he made a comment to me. His grandmother was from, I wanna say, Taibi Coast, Cotibua? Some, somewhere around there. I'm assuming it wasn't Cotibua. Right. But somewhere around there. He said, you know, the problem with the way that the Afro Latins do their traditions is that you not only inherit Asher, you inherit trauma. Facts. So, and trauma, one of the key things to dealing with trauma, because we're going to also talk about a lot of therapy and stuff on this podcast, is facing it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, we have to stop looking at things and we have to help our community stop looking at things like slaves still fearing the master's going to catch them. Correct. And judgments. And then we also have to help our communities face the trauma of poverty in the Americas, of drug epidemics of single mother households, of absent fathers, of broken hearts, blah, 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 blah. So much to deal with, right? But this call then really goes out, like I said, to the people who have been through the shitty relationships with the godparents, through the people who have their Arishas dusty in the corner and haven't spoken to them in years, to the people who may have thrown their Arisha out, to the people who sit there and look at them and be like, why did I do this? Like, this is who this podcast is for. Instead of staying at home and being a jaded old homo or being some angry old woman <laughs> or being some guy who got changomen and now he doesn't know what to do with these rocks. Like, all of this, like, this is who this podcast is for. It's for the people who never had somebody to make a difference for them. It's for the people who need to get up and make a difference. Like, at the end of the day, if you made Ocha, if you're a priest, you have the tools to do something about it. We don't need to rely on anyone. Right? Like, that's part of the mm-hmm. goal, is to be self-sufficient. So this is really what this podcast is catering to. So my final question to you, before we close out, is, you know, and we'll revisit this in, like, a year, what would you like Lukumi to be? Like, if you walked into the first Lukumi temple, open to the community, what would you like to see? What would you like to feel? Like, what would your vision be for that? I'm big on... on safe spaces i'm big on um a level of organization i don't expect lukumi to be codified you know i don't believe that it can be that way um you know having grown up as a christian and and a jehovah's witness at that i can tell you right now jehovah's witnesses in california did not practice the same as jehovah's witnesses in new york did not practice the same Jehovah's Witnesses in Mexico. Like, they literally had their own way because culture plays a big part of that, right? Of course. So I think I think I would love to see a platform by which, as you stated, the old ways are reestablished and we as priests are doing our part to help it evolve, help it be maintained, and help it be applicable to the people and the time right now. Because what our elders were dealing with was way different than what we're dealing with on various degrees. Absolutely. You know, some things still intersect, some things are still the same because humans are humans. And that's the reality of it. And social structures, right, government, whatever. But, you know, the conversations we're having now, we didn't have before. Or they were taboo to have before. So now we're having them. Now we have people coming to us 
that identify differently, people that are a little bit more quote unquote woke and have conversations about race and about, you know, this, that and the other and isms. And how are we holding the space for this? How are we meeting it with the tools? with this ancient knowledge, with this. And that's what I would like to see, something that is evolved and, and, and open to, evo- to evolution and still being applicable now. Okay. While holding a safe space for people. But you see this as being a place of like shrines for all Orisha, like where you can come and pray to any Orisha you want. Like, is that part of the safe I've space? Seen, I, yeah, I've seen it done with the, with the Hindu faith. You know, where you go to... Almost every phase. Yeah, but like, I mean, and and something closer to what we have with a polytheistic type of deal, entering a a mandir and having a station where you can go to Kali and give an offering and and get the pundit there to help do a chant, whatever, for you in your name and and whatever, and give the offering and go to Ganesha and go to, to, you know, Shiva and whatever. So I would love to see something like that. I think that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's something a little bit more centralized and something organized and like I said, open. I, I think that would be a beautiful thing. I think it would cut down on a lot of our problems if we were able to do that, honestly. I mean, you're definitely stuck in dark place and I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to describe kind of what I would like to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to see a place where someone walks in and the very first thing you see is the giant shrine to a mm-hmm. There's no getting past it. Like you have to give him homage. You know, and then every, like you said, every Orisha has their, their nook or their niche where their shrine is built out and where anyone can come and leave offerings of honey or palm oil or, you know, boiled yams. Mm-hmm. Anyone can stop by once a week and be like, you know, Shango, here's, here's a little something, help me out at the club tonight. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you have your five minutes of privacy. Right. Like, and I think that's something as a community that if we don't come together and do is not going to bode well for the religion. Like, we need to come together as an actual community, not just talking smack on Facebook, not getting together at drummings just to go home and gossip. Right. You know, not having fake pages and talking about people. You know, I don't think ganging up on people, like, verbally or in a harassing manner is the way to go when we find people who are fakes and... And stealing from people, the appropriate way to do is to let everyone know and everyone provides a cold shoulder. The community, you know, helps people out. Where you in this situation, come, it's not one of us, it's all of us. Like, we will take this on. So it's, but we need the physical representation of that has to accompany the energetic representation. Correct. So I think this is going to be a really, really interesting series of podcasts. I'm sorry if I dominated the speaking today. Uh, so it's our first one, so it's probably a little rough, and we're going to wrap it up for today. But please, 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 if you liked it, follow us on Facebook, uh, at Mother's Magi, at David Sosa. Uh, you can follow either one of those. I am not a Facebook person in general, so yeah. Uh, David is also on Instagram. Yes. Uh, at Dabsos. At D-A-V-S-O-S. D-A-V-S-O-S on Instagram, and TikTok is... At D-A-V-S-O-S 720. So great. And not only does he know what he's talking about spiritually and religiously, he's also an amazing musician with music out. So he provides much more entertainment than I do. So again, we hope you like the podcast. Please share it. Please like. Uh, If you're listening to it on a platform, please subscribe. 
Uh, and thank you very much. Have a great day. And we look forward to figuring out what Lukumi is with you along the way. Ciao.